Well, good morning, church. Um, as Pastor Mike said, he started a series last week on margin and creating margins in our life. And the definitions that he used last week, just to remind us, is the space that separates us from our limits or allowing freedom to move within our limits. I kind of like to think of margin as breathing room, breathing room, where you're not so extended that you miss the exact thing that we were talking about this morning, the move of the Holy Spirit, not just corporately, but in our daily lives. And when we get so stuck on ourselves and in our busyness and in our schedules, we can miss just that the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we need to allow this breathing room. And that is what we're going to continue talking about this morning. And a way, a certain way we can add that margin to our lives is through practicing a Sabbath. Now, most of us don't do this. As New New Testament believers under, you know, the covenant of grace and no longer under the law, We don't typically practice a Sabbath. And I honestly never really did practice a Sabbath until about six months ago, if I'm being honest. And I've really dived into this sort of ancient concept of Sabbath. And it's really brought incredible amount of margin in my life. And so I just want to look at that this morning and... As I've studied this topic and as I've started incorporating this into my personal life, I believe there are like four concepts to the Sabbath that we can see scripturally that we're going to go through sort of a history of Sabbath first this morning, and then we're going to get really practical on what this means for us as New Testament believers in Jesus Christ. So the four concepts of Sabbath that we're going to go through, like the entire Old Testament, no, not like the entire thing, but we're going to go through a lot of chunks of scriptures to bring us all the way to the New Testament this morning. And there are four things that I want you to notice in these scriptures. The aspect of stopping, resting, worshiping, and delighting. Now you'll see these words, and I've put the emphasis on them. I've put them in bold as as they're in these texts. I've done that just so you can see those this morning. But you'll see that as we walk through the Old Testament, these concepts of stopping, resting, remembering or worshiping, and then delighting. And so let's start where the Bible starts in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, right away. Now, the word Sabbath is not used here in the creation account, but God demonstrates this concept to us. So right away in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, God had just created everything. This is the creation account. And it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, sorry, and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So we see God here on the seventh day resting. 
And what I love about this is he had already created man. He had already created everything he needed to create. And God being just all-powerful, all-knowing, never tiring, sets this example up for mankind right here by resting on the seventh day. And so then after the creation account and after God sort of demonstrates this concept without really calling it Sabbath, then we get to a place uh, in Exodus where the Israelites had been moving. They're moving to the promised land and they're out in the desert. Okay, so you know the story of Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. <laughs> the people are let go, and they're on their way, moving through the wilderness, okay? And on their journey, God instructs Moses and instructs the people specifically to practice a Sabbath. And so that is in Exodus chapter 16, and I'm just going to read this chunk too. Exodus 16, verses 23 to 20, or verses 23 to 30. So here we are. The people are moving about through the wilderness, and this is what the Lord commanded. This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, but save whatever is left and keep it until the morning. So they saved it until the morning as Moses commanded, and they did, and it didn't stink or get maggots magnets in it eat it today moses said because today is a sabbath to the lord you will not find any of it on the ground today six days you are to gather it but on the seventh day the sabbath there will be not any nevertheless some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it but they found none then the lord said to moses How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. This is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is at on the seventh day and not go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Okay, so they're referring to the manna, right? Like God provided manna in the wilderness for the people. And God's original instruction was that he was only going to give it for every day. They had to go out every morning and get the manna. They couldn't save it or it would rot. Except on the sixth day, where they're supposed to gather more so they could eat on the seventh day and not have to go work and gather the food. So this concept of six days of work, one day of rest, is sort of repeated from the creation account, right? Six days of work. And notice here, too, that God blesses work. Like, he's, he's made us to work, to work hard, to hunt, to gather, to sow, to sell, to be productive human beings in the kingdom here on earth, right? But he, he makes this rhythm of six days of work, one day of rest, okay? So this is what the Jewish people would call Shabbat. And if you're, wa- you know, if you're watching... I hate to mention it so much we have lately, but The Chosen is such a great way to see, like, these biblical stories come to life on screen. And you see this Jewish culture, you know, really taking part in the Sabbath practice, right? And it's uh, just beautiful to see that on screen in a way that comes to life. But the Jewish people, this is just part of their way of life, okay? It was, you know, they did... um, 
they did festivals, and they were very devout to their ways of life. And Sabbath was just part of who they were as a people. Okay, and then um, as the Israelites are going through the wilderness, we know the Sunday school story of when Moses stops on Mount Sinai to get the what? The Ten Commandments, right? He And this is just like this big display, right? There's the the cloud and the fire, and Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, and he meets with God as the people wait. And what does he get? He gets those Ten Commandments, and the Ten Commandments are written on the tablets, and the Sabbath makes the top ten. I mean, this was so important to God that it made the top ten, you know? Um, and I think about that and just how significant that was. You know, of all the things that the God could have given Moses, there's some really important ones on those top ten, but the Sabbath was part of it. And in Exodus 20, that's where we're going to read next, this next chunk. This is a big Ten Commandments moment. And number four, you know, if you haven't memorized the Ten Commandments, I would suggest doing it with, like, finger actions, because that's the only way I continually to remember them. But if you go through the finger actions, you know that number one is that you should have no other gods before me. And number two is you shouldn't make any idols. Don't bow down to idols, right? Number three is don't take the Lord's name in vain, like a W for words. Watch your mouth. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And number four, now this is the one where we pause. And number four is what? Remember the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day. Let's read that in Exodus 20. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither of you, nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or your female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners that reside in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So there's what I think most of us think the Sabbath sort of happened here in the Ten Commandments. But it actually was taking place prior to Mount Sinai. It was actually just a way of the people that something that even God started in the creation account. So as we move through the Old Testament, yes, it started here in the wilderness, and the people start practicing the Sabbath. And God says, you know, make this a way of life for you guys. And then in the Old Testament, as we keep, you know, turning the the books of our Bible, we see the Sabbath just sprinkled throughout the Old Testament. It's mentioned um, a couple things that that is mentioned is how how special the Sabbath was in the tabernacle, but then also later in King Solomon's temple. You know, there were certain things that took place in their worship on the Sabbath. So there's this whole thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but these 12 loaves of bread and the showbread was actually changed on the Sabbath. Okay, so there were special things that took place in tabernacle and temple worship on that seventh day. It was regarded still as holy and special offerings were made on that holy Sabbath day. And King Solomon, you know, 
you know, they built the temple and uh, they continued to practice Sabbath as, as a people. And then we know that the kingdom divides after King Solomon. And we have a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And uh, the northern kingdom, of course, doesn't last as long as the southern kingdom of Judah. But Judah, the people in Judah, had a temple in Jerusalem. And they continued to practice Sabbath. And it was still the way of the people. But as you know, if you've studied a little bit of the Israelites' history, they go through this just frustrating cycle of good kings, bad kings, good kings, bad kings. You know, you have kings like Asa and um, Jehoshaphat, and they, they would they would lead the people in continuing to practice the ways of Moses and their ancestors, the ways of the Lord. But then you would get a bad king in there, and then the people would start, you know, wavering. And they would start start worshiping false gods. And then there's a struggle. So then the prophets continually come and correct. They continue to come and correct the people and say, hey, remember the laws of Moses? Remember our forefathers? Let's go back to that way. Remember the promises of, of God on our people if we will just obey him? And so we see Sabbath mentioned again in Isaiah and Jeremiah. I didn't put all of them up here, but one particular one that I really like, this is maybe like my favorite Sabbath um, chunk of scripture, is in Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah is, again, reminding the people of Judah to go back to the ways of the Lord, go back to the ways and laws that were given to Moses. And in Isaiah 58, he comes to, again, warn and instruct the people. In Isaiah 58, 13 and 14, it says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, And from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride and triumph on the heights of the land and to feast in the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In Isaiah, we see the words delight in the Sabbath. And we see this enjoyment of the Sabbath. That if you take part in the Sabbath, you're actually going to just find this deep-rooted joy. So Sabbath is not taught. It's not taught as this day of like sort of suffering for the Lord. I mean, this isn't like a day where you're supposed to just like strip yourself down and starve yourself for the sake of the kingdom. Like it's not taught that way. That was the religious mindset that later corrupts this idea of a joyful delight in the Lord as we Sabbath. So Isaiah is one of my favorites because that's where that word delight comes into play. That's where the joy of the Lord is is in our weaving into scripture, okay? So after this, we continue through the Old Testament and another prophet, I didn't put these up here, but, you know, another prophet again warns after Hezekiah 
there's a cycle again of the people wandering, the people intermixing false gods and idol worship. And Jeremiah warns the people again in the same manner that Isaiah did. Jeremiah does the same thing. Okay, in Jeremiah 17, he instructs the people again, you kings of Judah, bear no burden on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is holy. Take your rest. So the prophets continue, continue to bring the people back to this practice of Sabbath. But they're described as stiff-necked people. And I I love the word that Olivia had this morning. And unfortunately, I can be a very stiff-necked person sometimes as well. And they go back to false worship. And they end up in another cycle of of captivity for 70 years and um in that 70 years of captivity until king cyrus comes and lets the people go back and return to jerusalem this is where we take ourselves all the way we're we're working our way through the old testament here but we get all the way to nehemiah and you remember nehemiah in his heart to rebuild the walls and rebuild jerusalem well, Nehemiah comes back, and Nehemiah, again, is one of those men that say, let's return to the ways of our forefathers. Remember Moses and these things that we were given and the blessings we were to inherit? That was Nehemiah's heart as well. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah in chapter 19, he had gone to Jerusalem, started the work. He had left for a short time. And in that time that he had left, when he came back, he found the people, again, not practicing sabbath and so he's like oh people what are we doing here and this is what he reminds him again in nehemiah chapter 19 he says people in judah were trading wine presses on the sabbath and bringing in sacks of grain and loading them on donkeys as well as wine and grapes and figs and all kinds of food bringing them into jerusalem on the sabbath day okay he's just he found them again working and trading and selling and going going on as though they were not set apart, as though they were not people that were supposed to be devoted to Yahweh in the ways that had been given to Moses and the many ones after. So Nehemiah, again, reminds him of the Sabbath. And you can find just the Sabbath just sprinkled throughout the whole Old Testament, okay? And then we get all the way, there's a period of silence, and then we get to the period of the new testament so that's where the where we're landing this morning because we would describe ourselves as new testament believers right we're we have jesus christ the holy spirit dwelling in us we are not um, bound to the things that the people were at that time to the laws of moses right and thank goodness because i would be dead so many times by now <laughs> i'd be a cat i'd be like i'm a ninth life if i had to live in the old testament so praise jesus for his grace but but if we look at sabbath as just an old testament practice do we do that to everything let's just stop and think about the ten commandments for a second Let's think about those Ten Commandments. Do we look at the Ten Commandments and be like, eh, Old Testament. We don't need to do that. You know, lying, I think that's all right. You know, I was just, you know, that was just Old Testament. Moses, we're not under that anymore. Stealing, eh, you know, 
I think that's all right. You know, we don't, we don't have that attitude towards the rest of the Ten Commandments, right? We still abide by them as just like a good practice, right? We know that we're not going to be stoned or killed or that Jesus isn't going to love us more or less whether we obey those Ten Commandments, but we agree on the other Ten Commandments that they're still good practice for us today. But unfortunately, number four, remember the Sabbath day, we tend to just do that with that one. We treat it special, like, ah, that was just for the Jews. I'm not a Jew. I don't need to do that. Um, and, you know, I think that's a mistake. I think it's a mistake because it's a good practice. We're not held under it. We're not held under the law. But there's great benefit from doing it. Think about how we teach and, and sort of look at the concept of tithing. This would be another example. Is tithing commanded in the New Testament? No. But is it a great practice that brings tremendous blessing? Yeah. We do it in the New Testament, don't we? As New Testament believers, we speak on giving and giving the first fruits and the tremendous blessing. And I've reaped those, the tremendous blessings of being obedient in tithing. So I would challenge us this morning to look at Sabbath sort of in the same light. It's not commanded in the New Testament. But there's great benefit if we choose to do a Sabbath. And so... In the New Testament, there's many mentions of the Sabbath, but you know what's interesting is Jesus doesn't, like, come down on it. Like, he doesn't, like, teach. Think about all the topics he addresses in the Sermon on the Mount, for instance. Notice that he doesn't come and be like, guys, you have to practice Sabbath. You know, this is not, like, one of his primary teachings in the New Testament because he's actually trying to undo the religious mindset of the Pharisees of that time. Like the Pharisees had made Sabbath this duty. They had made it what I would say is sort of like a killjoy, like we kind of talked about in Sunday school this morning. The, the Pharisees had made Sabbath just a really rigid sort of, I mean, honestly, awful in some ways things to abide by, okay? And so Jesus doesn't really want to drill the people on Sabbath in the New Testament. He's trying to, like, undo their religious mindsets on the Sabbath. And so there's different accounts of Jesus speaking to the people about Sabbath or on Sabbath, but it's not a teaching of his, right? So, But we see it. We see it in the New Testament. So a few of the stories— So we know that in the New Testament, Sabbath is still a time to worship and to gather. We know that Jesus, as a child, and then as a young man, went to the synagogue on Sabbath. They would go there for teaching, for instruction. It was their form of corporate worship, if you will. So in Luke 4.16 Uh, It says, and Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up and read. So we see Jesus teaching on the Sabbath at the local synagogue. This was custom. They would come for teaching, and they would read those scrolls of the prophets, right? They'd read those scrolls um, 
that we now have in a beautiful written Bible in front of us, but this is what they would do on Sabbath. They would go and worship. They would go and gather. They would go and listen to the teachings. And then, two, we see that Sabbath wasn't, again, it wasn't this thing that you were supposed to just suffer and endure. Um, Sabbath was supposed to be enjoyable. It was supposed to be enjoyable. And Jesus gets in trouble. He gets in so much trouble with the Pharisees because they're just trying, you know, he's, they're trying to trap him on the Sabbath so much um, and try to, like, pin him down to breaking a Sabbath rule. And one of those examples is Jesus and his disciples were hungry on the Sabbath day, and they walk through the grain fields, and they pick something to eat. And the Pharisees are like, ah, got you good, Jesus. You're, you know, you're laboring and you're working on the Sabbath. But Jesus points out, he actually points out and, is, and reminds him and reminds the crowd that the Sabbath you know, it was created for man, right? It's supposed to be enjoyed. And if you're hungry, by all means, eat on the Sabbath, okay? And so that was one account where the, they were eating on the Sabbath day, picking some grain to eat. Not, it's a very New Testament example of the Sabbath, right? Um, and then another example in the New Testament of Jesus on the Sabbath was Jesus heals on the Sabbath. And that was another, you know, another no-no because it was viewed from the Pharisees as work. Like, what are you doing healing on the Sabbath? And again, Jesus, there's multiple accounts, but one, Jesus heals a lady uh, at the synagogue, actually, on the Sabbath who had been really inflicted by demons, and um, he demonstrates his compassion for her and heals her on the Sabbath. And um, that is something that Jesus, Jesus demonstrated a heart and a compassion that didn't stop on the seventh day of rest. And that's important to remember as we go about, and I'm going to get to some really practical application next, is you're, if you're going to incorporate a Sabbath into your life, the day is not still about you. <laughs> um, all seven days of our life is, is devoted to Jesus Christ and his kingdom on this earth. So as you set out to Sabbath, yes, it's a day to sort of recharge and rest and delight in Jesus. But if you're at the coffee shop in Tracy and there's someone struggling, and you just went there to rest, just to recharge with your Bible and latte, but you happen to see someone who needs a conversation and prayer, what is the right thing to do? It's to put my latte down and go pray with that woman who is going through cancer treatment, right? Yes, that was my Sabbath, but what is the will of the Father on the Sabbath? is to love others while we're delighting in his presence. So, yes, the Sabbath is for us, but it's also for others as well. So we have this concept of Sabbath in New Testament, but it's not this law-abiding ritual like we see. And, like, the Pharisees really corrupted that. I just want you to point out that that was never the intent, ever. Like, it wasn't this day of suffering, 
and duty and rules, like from the very get-go, <laughs> you know, from the very, from the creation story, Jesus rested. He rested. And in Isaiah, it's, it's talked of as a delight in finding joy in the Lord in it. So it was really only the religious mindset that twisted it into this thing that it was not. Um, as believers today, as believers today, we can practice in these, these concepts of Sabbath in a way that really brings a ton of blessing in our lives. And I want to challenge you to think of it as truly a time devoted to the Lord in a way that will refresh you, in a way that will recharge you, in a way that will set you apart for the week ahead. And here are a few keys to incorporating a Sabbath practice into your life. One, the first thing is to be consistent. Be consistent, if at all possible, with the time that you pick each week. Now things happen. Kids get sick or you get like a two and a half day blizzard and it throws your day off a bit. I understand that. But generally speaking, pick a consistent time each week. So nail it down. The number two is schedule it. Schedule a time with the Lord. What does this look like? I'm going to give you really, really practical examples. And I hate making sermons about myself, but I just happened to walk this out in the last six months, so I think I have a few practical keys for you. Make make it on your calendar like you would anything else. Time with the Lord set apart. For most of you here this morning, for most of you, Sunday is probably the best day to make a Sabbath. Now, what does Sabbath look differently than another Sunday? Okay, so you said, I admit it, I didn't really Sabbath until about six months ago. So what does this mean, Casey, to Sabbath? So typically on a normal Sunday, you could come to church, you would worship, you would go home, you might lay on the couch and surf Facebook or turn on the sports stuff and um, you know, you might, if you're a kid, you're going to do all your homework on Sunday afternoon. Uh, you might catch up on your Netflix series that, you know, you're behind in. Um, you might, if you're a mom and getting ready for the next, next, you know, week, you're probably mopping the floors and packing the book bags and doing all the things. That's not a Sabbath. That's just a day off. Okay. Like when you don't set aside the day to deliberately spend time with the Lord and actually strip your your day down versus fill it up. That's the difference between a day off and a Sabbath. On a day off, I fill my day up, baby. I mean, I'm like up, I work out, I cross that out, I go out and clean the kitchen, you know, I drop off the kids, we're going to catch up on laundry. Then, you know, you fill it up. You have your whole day planned out. On a Sabbath, I strip it down. So here are a few things that I practice. Stop, rest, worship, and delight. Let's take a look at those biblical concepts. Stop. I stop work email. I delete social media from my phone on Sabbath. That's a big one for me. I know, shocker, I like Facebook, everybody. Um, (laughs) My boys are on there too much, I know. Um, But anyway, so on Sabbath, I delete social media off my phone. Okay? I commit to those things. I rest. What's, you know, I rest. 
And I used to feel guilty about this. You go through this cycle of like stripping yourself down a little bit. And I used to feel really guilty about this. But I will take a nap. One of the most restful ways to delight in the Lord for me is to walk or hike. So in the fall, I would go out to Garvin Park. I would, you know, power my phone down completely. And I just walk in silence with the Lord. And you know what's interesting about when you're just out with the Father God, just in his presence with no distractions? This is key for me anyway, is that in that time, there would be things that would come up. How many of you know this last year has been a little bit difficult? We've lost some people in the body. Well, in the quietness of Garvin Park, there those tears would flow. Because it was just me and God walking in the woods. And so oftentimes as believers, we can be the most guilty and even church leaders can almost be worse than others about filling, 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 filling. And we can actually run from God doing godly things. Why, why did 17 minutes in my Bible study this morning before I worked out and then, you know, I went to that, and then I went to that, and it was Thursday night prayer, and Wednesday night Awana, and we are just powering through the week, and then I might snap at my kids. Why? Because I'm emotionally and spiritually exhausted. And there's a different kind of refilling that happens when you just stop, when you just rest. When you strip down all the activity and all of the distractions, and you're just with the Father God. And in that, in that practice, you will find great benefits. Like there's, I'm not a science person, and we had a great speaker at our pastor's retreat we went to this, this winter. He could tell you all the science and the brain activity and all those things. But there's actual physical evidence of rest in your mind, in your body, in your spirit, when you just get alone with the Father. When you're not doing, filling up, getting through four more pages of Bible study, do you know what I mean? When you just strip yourself of the to-dos and just sit with the Lord. So stopping, resting, worshiping, what could this look like for you guys? What could this look like for a family here? You could get up on Sundays. You could come here like you're doing right now. You could worship. And wow, did we have a sweet presence of Jesus here today. What a great way to start the Sabbath. So we're in the presence of the Father. We have his sweet presence. And then you can go home. But I would encourage you to put your cell phones in the other room. I'd encourage you that if you're a woman and you cook six days of the week, Make Sabbath special. This is the delight piece that I just love. I can really get on the delight. That's a bandwagon that I can sell you on, delighting in the Sabbath. Um, When we practice Sabbath, we have Sabbath family nights. And the Sabbath family nights, the boys have really looked forward to. On Sabbath family nights, they pick out foods that we don't eat the rest of the week. On Sabbath family nights, we, and so instead of having, we always have dinner together and we sit up on our counter, but on Sabbath family nights, we sit around our dinner table. On Sabbath family nights, they pick out an activity that we do. 
And then we, as a form of worship, pray over each other. And it's been so fun to watch even my youngest, you know, take his, I'll pray over the family this week on Sabbath family night. And we pray over each other, don't we, Brebri? Yes. <laughs> he's a great heart. He's got great prayers. So we pray over each other on the Sabbath day. Do you see how this is different than the other six days of the week? If you're a woman and you cook six days of the week, I mean, some women really get a lot of delight in making a beautiful meal on their Sabbath for their family. Like they get up early and they prepare. God bless you women. But that is not me. I cook six six other days of the week and I don't want to cook on the Sabbath. So sometimes on the Sabbath, we order just like a big cactus bread from Pizza Ranch and they get to eat dessert on the Sabbath. And that's really special. And sometimes on the Sabbath night when we're just resting and we're delighting and we're worshiping, we just um, have different, like one time they pick French fries and we all have different French fry flavors and nacho fries and Parmesan fries and blah, blah. We make it special. And at the center of the whole time is our delight and our worship and our devotion to God. Do we have to do this? No. Do you have to rigidly follow the Ten Commandments? No. Do you have to tithe? No. But I can tell you without a doubt that if you incorporate Sabbath rest into your week, there will be amazing benefits. I can tell you without a doubt that I am so much more emotionally, physically, spiritually healthy when I've Sabbath. When I don't, it's a classic example of someone that can have time in the word and be a good Christian, but be emotionally fried. Okay? And it can happen to all of us. So a New Testament Sabbath is not about what you can and cannot do. A New Testament Sabbath is about what you get to do while you're basking in the presence of our good, good Father. And when you stop there and frame everything around that, that's what I do. This is how I'm going to end this morning. When you wonder, okay, what should and should I do on Sabbath? Ask yourself the question, does this bring me closer to my Heavenly Father and bring rest to my soul? Because some of you can mow the lawn on Sabbath. (laughs) I knew Mike would like that one. Because sometimes mowing the lawn can be a place where you strip down before the Lord. Some of you mow four days a week, and that would be the last thing you want to do on the Sabbath. Some of you have office jobs and sit on your rears like me most of the week, and the great way to Sabbath is walking. Oh, I love to be alone with Jesus while I walk. Do you see? It's not about what you do and you don't. It's all how you posture yourself before the Lord. Does this bring me closer to my Heavenly Father? And does this bring me rest? That is a New Testament type of Sabbath. And if you want help incorporating that into your life, I would love to pick your brain and help you and your family incorporate this into your life.
Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much that this concept of Sabbath, God, that you set up even in creation, six days of beautiful work unto you, Father, and a seventh day of rest. God, I pray that 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 concept of work and rest would become a rhythm in our lives. God, not to obey um, under a duty, God, but it would be a practice that would bring us such delight. And so I pray that you would stir in the hearts and minds of people here today to start this practice so that we could create an emotionally healthy, spiritual body here at Victory. Lord, I thank you for this, and I thank you for your word and the way it gives us life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.